Welcome to an all-new episode of the Get Better Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Jason Atkinson, Bachelor of Science in Education, Natural and Life Sciences, Health Coach, and Nutritionist. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about type 2 diabetes, what it is, and what you can do about it. So stick around. So before we dive into the explanation, today's featured product is Blood Sugar Support 60. That's available at GetBetterNaturallyNow.com. This formulation includes minerals and herbs that act as insulin mimetics. That means that it mimics the effects of insulin without the harmful effects. These help lower blood glucose naturally without the nasty side effects that you get from some medications. If taken with a significant carbohydrate load, it can help partition the nutrients towards glycogen replenishment and away from fat storage. So that's another plus. Also, lowering blood sugar helps fight cravings and promotes greater insulin sensitivity. So you can pick up a bottle right now. The regular price is $19.99. I've got those sales priced at $13.99 for 60 capsules at GetBetterNaturallyNow.com. So what is diabetes? Well, there are two types of diabetes. The first, and what we're talking about today, is type 2 diabetes. But the first one is type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes, or juvenile diabetes as it's known, is a genetic condition and you're born with it. It may or may not be due to the dietary habits of the parents or grandparents, but the person has no control over whether they develop type 1 diabetes. They're born with it. So in type 1 diabetes, your pancreas actually does not secrete sufficient insulin. So insulin is a transport hormone. One of the main things that it does is drive carbohydrate or sugar out of the bloodstream into storage or to be used as energy. So with type 1 diabetes, someone simply is not producing insulin or not enough insulin. And the solution for those people is often uh, that they have to take intravenous uh, injections of insulin in order to keep them alive in many cases or to experience good health in many cases. Now, the most common type of diabetes, and the one we're going to focus on today, is type 2 diabetes or adult onset diabetes as it's also known. There's a minor difference with the way this type of diabetes operates. As I said, in type 1 diabetes, you don't produce insulin. In type 2 diabetes, you actually do produce insulin. However, the cells, the muscle cells in particular, are resistant to the effects of insulin. So, like I said, insulin is a transport hormone. It's secreted in your pancreas. And its job is to go grab the sugar out of the bloodstream and either tuck it into the liver in the form of liver glycogen or into the muscle cells in the form of muscle glycogen or into fat tissue where it gets converted into triglycerides and stored as fat in adipose tissue, as body fat. So those are the ways that sugar can be disposed of. Now, I want to point out that one of the reasons why it's so important to dispose of that sugar is because sugar is actually toxic in the human bloodstream, and in high enough amounts, it can cause a lot of harm. Of course, we are equipped 
to utilize some amount of sugar or glucose or carbohydrate, however you want to say that. And I'll use those terms interchangeably because for all intents and purposes, they are the same thing. But we need to get that sugar out of the bloodstream quickly or else it builds up and causes problems. The amount of sugar or glucose in your bloodstream at any given moment is about five grams, which is just a little more than a teaspoon. That's how much sugar is in your bloodstream or supposed to be in your bloodstream at any given time. So your body does a really great job of regulating blood sugar balance. It can't go too high and it can't go too low, otherwise you have problems. So in order to accomplish that, the pancreas sends out a little signal, grabs the sugar carbohydrate out of the, out of the bloodstream and stores it somewhere. So let's just say you have a high carbohydrate meal, um, maybe a bowl of rice, something high glycemic like that. So that is going to convert into blood sugar almost immediately after you eat it. And if you don't do something with it, it's going to potentially cause problems. Now, if you're active enough to burn that up and your cells are uh, insulin sensitive enough to get the signal and use the glucose, it's no problem. You can just burn it up no potential to get stored as fat or have anything harmful happen. However, over a period of sometimes years and years of chronically high carbohydrate consumption, frequent carbohydrate consumption, which are the dietary patterns that are very prevalent uh, in the United States, after doing that for a long period of time, the cells start to become resistant to the effects of insulin and will not allow the glucose into the cell to be used as energy. So, you know, my little analogy is uh, it's like a cleanup crew is picking up all this, they're sweeping this sugar up off the streets. And they come to this house and they knock on the door and they say, hey, we got some sugar for you. Okay, so somebody opens up the door, lets the sugar in. All right, an hour or two later, here's another big high carbohydrate meal. Hey, we got some more sugar for you. Okay, cell opens up, opens the door fine, we can take some more sugar. So eventually the room gets full or the house gets full and you know they're standing guard at the door saying, no, we don't need any more sugar. We don't need any more sugar. We got enough, you know, more than we can burn up, right? So at that point, the sugar continues to circulate in the bloodstream and becomes known as diabetes or type 2 diabetes in this case. Now, a lot of people will tell me that they have pre-diabetes, okay? So this is a diagnosis. If you're not, your fasted glucose is high enough to be close to being diabetic, but not quite diabetic yet, the medical community refers to that as pre-diabetes. So I like to remind people that pre-diabetes is also preventable diabetes. So many people accept a diagnosis uh, from a medical professional as if it were a death sentence. And so often, the recommendation from our uh, sick care system that we have in America is either drugs or surgery. And it's almost as if they've forgotten, or at least they don't practice uh, the fact, or most of them don't, that uh, lifestyle factors can actually address a lot of these health concerns. So I want to empower and educate people to take charge of their own health and uh, in many cases um, free themselves of uh, the need for medications and surgery and other 
types of treatment. Now, I just want to mention this podcast is not medical advice. I'm not a medical professional. I'm a health coach. I have a degree in education and taught human anatomy and biology in the classroom. I'm a certified personal trainer and a nutritionist through the uh, National Association for Nutrition Professionals. I've also lost 65 pounds myself and kept that off for several years now, maintaining a new healthy weight. And I was able to uh, get rid of a chronic health condition that had plagued me for many years, which is high blood pressure. So I'm on a mission now to educate, encourage, and inspire as many people as I can to take charge of their own health and not just accept uh, a diagnosis as being like a uh, you know, death sentence. But uh, just to be aware, there are changes you can make to um, you know, reverse this, if you will. So the first thing you'll want to do if you have type 2 diabetes, just to improve your insulin sensitivity, is to start some type of exercise program. I recommend a daily workout. Uh, That can be a combination of weight training and cardiovascular exercise on a daily basis, or you can alternate days between one form of training and the next. So just uh, doing weight training three days a week and doing some exercise like some cardiovascular endurance type uh, exercise the other three days a week and take one day off, you know. But the, the idea is you want to make it like a daily habit almost like brushing your teeth. That way it becomes automatic and you end up doing it more often than you miss. You know, uh, think, you know when people set up a standard that they're only going to train two or three days a week, if something comes up, now you're down to one or two workouts a week, and that just doesn't work in the grand scheme of things. It really needs to become a habit, uh, like I said, almost just a daily thing like brushing your teeth. So some type of exercise is going to be critical to getting this under control because that improves the insulin sensitivity of the muscle cells to uptake the sugar or the glucose from your bloodstream more readily. Something as simple as a 10-minute walk after every meal, that's another approach you can use. Uh, Every time you eat something, go for a 10-minute walk. If you start doing that, you'll improve insulin sensitivity. But, you know, the ideal is to create more storage space in the muscles for sugar or glycogen to be stored in. So you can accomplish that through strength training or resistance training. And, you know, just as a side note, the glycogen is initially stored in the liver. The liver's job is to try to stay empty of glycogen so that you have a buffer. You know, you have a place to store it when a lot comes in all at once. The muscle cell's job is to stay full of glycogen. So glycogen is like a starch that's stored in the human body And we use that for energy, primarily for high-intensity, longer-duration type effort, you know, like running, sprinting, cycling, uh, even weightlifting, all those type of activities. If they're sustained, uh, you know, beyond uh, like two minutes, then you're going to be calling very heavily on glucose because that's a form of energy that your body can just uh, burn up, you know, quickly, oxidize it as energy faster than accessing fat as fuel. So that's one key is to build some muscle, have a place to store it, right? Uh, The next step or the next key that I want to talk about today is making a dietary change. So just this year or within the last calendar year, I think 2020, the American Diabetic Association finally, after all these years, sends out a statement that said, 
a low carbohydrate diet can be helpful for people with type 2 diabetes. So what has actually happened here is that the, in the face of the overwhelming evidence that this is the case, they finally had to make a public statement to that effect. You know, the idea of following a high-carb, low-fat diet uh, was a total failure as far as um, getting the health of our country under check. Uh, we're, we're in the worst health we've been in ever in the history of the human race, and America is, uh, sad to say, uh, the worst health population uh, in the entire world when it comes to metabolic disorders. So that's going to be another key is making dietary changes. Now, the type of changes that you can make, they don't have to be super drastic. Um, of course, the keto diet has been real popular in the, in the past few years, and that's you know, similar to a phase one Atkins diet where when you're in induction, when you're just getting started with this, you may want to cut your carbohydrates as low as 20 or 30 grams a day. That's like an extreme example of a ketogenic diet or super low-carb diet. Not everyone needs to go to that extreme. Um, not everybody wants to. And, uh, you know, there might be a few people just honestly don't have the willpower to uh, completely avoid carbohydrates, but it's not really necessary to. Uh, I tend to follow a very low-carbohydrate approach myself, but my three keys for simplifying your nutrition from my book, Live Like an Athlete, are lean it up, clean it up, and green it up. So that's easy uh, to put into practice. Lean is for protein. Clean is just uh, devoid of processed uh, fats and sugars and carbohydrates. And uh, green is for vegetables. So anything that grows above ground is great to fill up space in the stomach, supply some fiber and some micronutrients. So your plate should always be lean, clean, and green. That's what we want to go for. And ideally, you will do that, you know, meal frequency to a point where you're not going hours and hours on end every single day without uh, having something to eat, you know. I believe that intermittent fasting has its place, and I incorporate intermittent fasting and do advise people on how to intermittent fast safely from time to time. But at the same time, uh, regular eating is what establishes the tone for your metabolism it keeps your calorie burning engine revving around the clock. So the next thing that you can do is to actually supplement. So, you know, I always like to say that supplements are like the third story, okay? And you can't build a third story on a vacant lot. You have to lay the foundation and then go to the second floor and then finally you have room for the third floor at the top. So what a lot of people do is they try to shortcut, they go straight to the third step in our little equation here, which is uh, supplementation. That being said, if you're already doing steps one and two, you're exercising regularly, and you're doing your nutrition properly, then you can throw on the third level of supplementation and get some really great results. So a lot of, uh, a lot of the uh, prescription medications, uh, metformin in particular, uh, what it does, it's, a, it's an insulin mimetic, so it improves the sensitivity of the cells and allows that to uh, uptake glucose more easily. Now, you know, our, our modern medical or sick care system is not advocating, uh, for the most part, a very low carbohydrate diet. And we mentioned, you know, it's finally coming around to that point. But uh, what they advise in most cases is just continue eating the high carbohydrate diet 
and then just take medication to you know help your body dispose of it. The analogy that I've heard that makes the most sense with me is that it's almost like setting your house on fire and then putting it out. Setting your house on fire and putting it out. You eat carbs, you're setting your house on fire. You take medication, you're putting the fire out. So the solution is to stop setting your house on fire. <laughs> but uh, many people do want a natural alternative to some of these medications because they have so many side effects. So what you can do uh, in combination with any treatment that you might have or uh, possibly, you know, if we're catching this in the early stages, you don't need medication yet. That's great because, like I said, pre-diabetes is preventable diabetes. So uh, ingredients that are found in the blood sugar support formula are banana leaf, chromium, bitter melon, cinnamon, gymnema, and... Uh, a host of others. So there's a lot of different ingredients here. I'm not going to list every one. And again, that's available at getbetternaturallynow.com. They are on sale if you'd like to uh, add that to your daily regimen. And send me, a, send me an email and let me know how that's working out for you. It's jason at getbetternaturallynow.com. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook at getbetternaturally. So that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you soon.